a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Monday the 17th of August, uh, here we are at Clarence Park, the home of St Albans City. Jason, we've been, uh, I'm here, my name is John, and with me is Jason. Hello there. And Mike. Good day, good afternoon, good morning, or, oh, <laughs> just hi. <laughs> Um, uh, we're here watching the uh, under 21s. Jason, was uh, it was 3 1 in the end to Hull? Yeah, a d- a disappointing defeat because I thought we started really well. Yeah. We had a really good chance. Um, I'm, I'm not going to ruin it because Mike's going to take you through the goals, aren't you, Mike? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm too disappointed by the lack of Flamingo Land on the Hull <laughs> under 21 shirts to, uh, to focus on the game. So. Uh, yeah, first goal sounded great. <laughs> Second goal? Second goal was uh, sounded like a bit of a scrappy affair. Okay, third uh, goal? Third goal, similar. <laughs> okay. I missed a lot. <laughs> well, you, were, you won't actually hear for the first two goals. It was yeah. seven o'clock kickoff, hard to get here. Yeah. And then you were looking at your burger yeah, van. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, they started brightly. We did, we started brightly. We had a really good chance. Keith made a really good save early on. And then uh, the goal was a, was a thing of delight. It's the sort of football I like. It was a, oh, a excellent run made by, uh, by Mensa. I can't remember who played the pass through to him, but it was a pinpoint pass into space for him to run onto, pass the defenders and slot it past the keeper. Not as good as Vidra against Brighton, Pozzo mm. season number one, that, oh, yeah. that sort of in that sort of thing. A bit like that, but a bit further up the pitch, not quite as sexy as, as Vidra's goal, but it was a nice a nice goal. Because Burner's quick, isn't he? And he, he, has, he, he, had, he has had some injury, so it sounds like it's good to see him uh, a return to, to form for him, because I high hopes for him, I think. But it was. But we then sort of we, we conceded. Connor Smith tried to take the ball, sort of turn and take the ball out of defence, lost the ball, mm. uh, and then they sort of yeah stuck it back in the mixer and and goal, and then we seemed to lose a bit of heart and a bit of faith after that. We still looked like we could create something up front, but it just didn't quite happen. We were struggling to defend deep crosses. They were putting a lot of crosses in to the back post, sort of beyond. We had Hoban and Belkelen playing tonight, mm. but it was almost like they were. They were sort of crossing over over the tops of the centre backs, attacking the the full backs instead, and we were struggling to deal with those. And a, and a, a couple more hold goals came their way. Absolutely, no doubt that these uh, games are competitive. Though a couple of big flare-ups oh, in the yes. second half, they uh, both sides uh, both sides certainly mean it. I mean, it is it is difficult when you're here because there's not many people here, and uh, it, you know it's, it's basically a reserve game, but. You have to remember how important these these games are. But I was wondering, sort of, these guys playing, how far away does it feel from the Premier League here at St Albans on a Monday night? How far away does it feel for Belkalim from the World Cup stadium? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, me and me and him have got a similar record at the, at the World Cup, <laughs> but um, World Cup appearances. But um, yeah, you know, do they feel a long way from the Premier League? And 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 does playing in this, how helpful is it for them? I don't know, Jason. Should, like I say he should take heart because if you remember. Uh, probably the last time we saw uh, Fabrini play for Watford was in yeah. the Hearts Senior County Cup at Royston, and look at the goal he scored for uh, for Middlesbrough at the weekend. Who clearly are going places? So all these guys have got a rosy future at the Riverside Stadium with Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so we're also here tonight. We caught up with Kevin Affleck, who's the editor of uh, WD Sport. Uh, many of you uh, will probably remember Kevin from from about 2006, where he covered Watford for two years at Watford Observer. Uh, he's back covering it, um, and lots of you may have seen the stuff on Twitter or on their website, and uh, an edition they did before the end of last season. Uh, and we caught up with Kevin to find out what's going on uh, with this new venture. Watford, yeah, new venture, new Watford news thing. New venture as part of the adventure. Uh, so, Kevin, you're you're back at Watford, uh, covering Watford. How's that? Yeah, so back to my um, my spiritual home. 
Yeah, it was um, a long time since I've been to a game at Vicarage Road in a, in a reporting capacity and it has certainly changed a lot, that's for sure, both um, on and off the pitch. Great to be back and um, great to be trying to deliver something newsworthy to the fans. Happy coincidence that you're back now there's Premier League football to talk about. There's, um, no, I'm certainly not jumping on any bandwagon, not, with a, not at my age and not with my... Um, not with my fitness record. Contrary to popular opinion, the plan was to launch regardless of what division we were in. And um, I think it would almost have been better if we were in the championship because if access would have been better, there wouldn't have been so many media cameras and, and dictaphones down at Kike's press conference. So yeah, the plan was to launch regardless of what division we're in, but it's great to be in the Premier League and, and following the, the team up and down the country. So for those that haven't seen it, what is WD Sport about? Yeah, WD Sport is, is a publication, news service set up to deliver news from grassroots to the boot room at Watford Football Club on all levels and all sports. It, at the minute it very much, much looks like a, a Watford FC dedicated publication and, and website but the plan is to encompass all sports and be a, a, a real community community paper. The plan is in the autumn to launch a weekly newspaper. We published a promotion supplement in May which we generated terrific feedback from and it gave us a great indicator of what people want, what people don't want. At the minute we've just got the, the, the website and I'm covering what for Football Club. We hope to make a couple of appointments soon and just get real into the nuts and bolts of, of local sport, which is basically where I came from. I've played local sport, I've covered local sport and now I want to produce a publication that brings it all together. The Watford Observer gets rightly or wrongly criticised for some of the stuff that, that they deliver and we kind of I think most people understand some of the constraints and issues that the media have dealing with the football club. Can you sort of explain what the challenges are for, for someone like yourself trying to deliver stuff that Watford supporters are actually interested in hearing? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a challenge, different challenge to the last time I covered the club in the Premier League, mainly due to the, the, the boardroom situation. Um, the club this time, thanks to Richard Walker, are much more receptive to the media. They recognise its importance. It's a tough job these days, given social media and fans want stuff yesterday and they want it instant, they want it in easily digestible, easily consumable form. But given my experience since I left the Watford Observer, I've learned a great deal both digitally and print-wise, I think I can bring that all to the table to bring fans something that they want and is kind of a, of a must-read, must-download. Is there an art to delivering news to football supporters, especially when it's quite club-specific like Watford? Because you'll have probably seen recently there's been a bit about the, um, the Dadini gold drought and the instant reaction from Watford supporters, and this isn't just Watford supporters, any, if any supporter sees their club attacked or sees something that they perceive as, as incorrect, they go into into overdrive, um, and you mentioned the the previous boardroom situation where you reported on some difficult times at Watford, and it was difficult for supporters to see that, and a lot of people, myself at the time, among them, chose not to believe it, quite frankly, and that might have been because of the way it was reported, or or because we didn't have a full understanding. So, is there an art of delivering stuff to to football sports because they are we are a special breed, aren't we? Yeah, I'd like to think there is an art and I'll never ever claim to perfect it. I'm always learning, but I feel my role then and now is to kind of shine a light in some, some dark corners. And whether fans want to read that is is up to them really, but I feel the local paper's responsibility is to be objective, independent and yeah, be a reliable source of news for fans. And sometimes people aren't going to like the stories we write. But vast majority of the time, they will. But what we tend to do is we'll reflect what is actually going on at the club. Negative headlines, negative stories. I don't think it does anybody any favours. But unfortunately, in the business we're in, there are going to be negative headlines. Managers are going to be sacked. Players are going to speak out. Uh, 
board members are going to leave and I was just in that period of the club's history was unfortunate or fortunate to be covering one of the most sensitive times in the club's history but it got to a stage during that period where I didn't need the help of Boothroyd or Ashton or Simpson to even do the job. My phone was almost ringing off the hook with people queuing up to give me information whereas I think I'll have to work a bit harder for my, for my stories this time. It strikes me that the real issue with these stories is how you couch them, how you set them up and I, and I think that thinking about the difficulty you kind of might have had then initially was naming sources, naming exactly where this information is coming from so to the average man in the street it just seems like well he's got an axe to grind or he's, or he's unhappy with this that or the other is that just a bit easier these days? Do people understand the sort of the, the chain of where, where stories come from or? I'm not sure whether they do it. That's probably with it for, for you or for the, for the fans to answer. I think I've learned a lot since my last time covering the club, but I, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd read over some of the stuff recently. I'm not sure I'd have changed a single thing I would have written. I'd like to think it would reflect the period when I was covering the club, the things that were going on and off the field. And I'd like to think history is not proved me right, but showed my reporting was, was accurate. You see where Graham Simpson is now. I'm not quite sure even where he is. Hayley Boothwood's fallen down the um, the football pyramid and he's managed to get himself a job at, with the England under-20s, I think it is, thanks to I think Dan Ashton was best man at his, his wedding. Um, you joined the dots up there. So it, that was just the period of the, the, the time I was covering the club, but as I say, I wouldn't, wouldn't change a word of it. I think I appreciate sometimes I'm Marmite, but I think my all my family are Watford fans and would I print anything that would annoy them or upset them no I wouldn't and I always have them in mind when I'm covering the club and if if fans want to read kind of fluffy content then there's always the club website but there's a place for what we do and what I do and I'll always stand by my principles and I think it's served me served me pretty well in that era as well then you must have been getting information that you may not have been 100% sure on but would have been some sort of top scoops almost to get out there how difficult it is to is it to not print that or to, or to decide whether to go with it or not? It's a great point, actually. For example, I'll probably create a bit of intrigue here, but I, I, I knew a long time before what the smoking gun was that Jimmy Russo and Vince Russo had on Graham Simpson. I knew that story and I knew what was coming. And to this day, I still can't mention it publicly, at least anyway. But I got to a stage where in that job, where in that time where I almost knew too much that's a difficult position to be in because you want to tell the full story but because you either can't stand it up or the editor's perhaps not got the gumption to run the story provides a challenge and you can you sometimes you're better off not knowing you sometimes think well it's told me so much off the record I can't print anything but eventually after time you can I don't know learn to make inferences and and let other people join the dots and make their own assumptions what story do you think you're going to run what's going to be one of the biggest stories you're going to run this year and what story are you worried about running? What don't you want to be running? Well, I think we made a, a pretty big statement by landing the exclusive with Lloyd Dyer. And that's an interesting one, and which I'm pleased about, because it's all about relationships, this job. I might have my, my critics and my, my doubts, but one thing I'm good at is building relationships. I've built relationships at boardroom level with coaches. Um, I'm still in contact with the likes of Nigel Gibbs, Paul Robinson, Neil Cox, Gavin Mahon. So I, I must have done something right somewhere along the line and it was here against St Albans where I went to chat to Lloyd Dyer and he said how about we chat at length in Germany and true to form he came up to me and said let's do that interview now I'd never met him before never thought in my life and now he, he he calls me he says hello to me at game so immediately built up built up relationships I've already built up 
a couple of other sources within the club already, which has led to other bits of transfer gossip and tidbits, picking up stuff on Guedio. I've got some good contacts at Palace. So, yeah, this job's all about relationships and, and how you use those and how you harness those. But in terms of... What's the dream story? <sighs> dream story, wow. I think I'd love a sit-down with Gino. I think he's a fascinating guy. I think hopefully it's a bit more likely than getting... Um, the local reporter at Chelsea get an interview with Abramovich <laughs> but um, I'm holding I'm, I'm holding out I'm trying to write some positive headlines about him and, and blow a bit of smoke up his, um, his, his backside so hopefully that one won't be too much much take too much longer anyway At the moment how, how can football fan, what for fans um, get involved? Yeah it's wdsport.co.uk we're also on the verge of announcing we've created an app which will be free and you consume all your Watford News Air. You can be downloaded like straight into your pocket, straight into your handbag, or your man bag you've got there, John. Um, <laughs> Satchel. Satchel. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's going well. We've been absolutely overwhelmed by the feedback. Look, we won't always get it right, but we try hardest to get it right. We might have not got it right with a, a Dini headline today. It might have been a bit incendiary, but we'll learn the lessons from that. But the people behind this, which is me and my partner and some other some other guys looking for experience with me. We're all Watford fans and when, I, when I'm speaking to people and when I'm contacting sources I'm thinking what story do I want to know because if I want to know it the fans want to know and that's we're just trying to deliver it to you guys which is which is what we're about and if if we stick to that we won't go too far wrong. Before you go again you did mention it you brought it up again to the headline about about Troy and you said you said it was incendiary and it kind of was and there's a new generation of of supporters now who are very media savvy as well and you know there's this phrase I'm going to say it I'm going to go there clickbait um, I'm not saying that's what that was but do you have to be careful about stuff like that do you think and that's something incendiary and it could be absolutely true and it could be factually correct but do we want to put that story out they're not and I'm not talking about that in in isolation as a journalist and it must go for you for everyone that's got connections up and down the country with football but will it affect my relationship with supporters will it affect trust Will it affect reputation? Something that could be deemed as not not clickbait, but you know you know what I'm getting at. Something that's going to get 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 tongues wagging, or do you think well it's worth it to get us get us out there? No, I think uh, my partner said to me we lost three followers on the back of Twitter followers on the back of Troy Dini. So I don't think we've undermined the business just yet. I think we have to work a lot harder than that. But yeah, we we, we have to be careful. Um, and it wasn't meant to be incendiary. It wasn't meant to be con- controversial. Um, and I was quite surprised by the reaction, really. But I guess the reaction is good because it shows we've got an audience and people want to engage with us. And I think what we will do is we we will engage with people. Like I've responded to people on on Twitter because people have thoughts and opinions. But yeah, I'm not of the clickbait generation because if it was, I remember when I worked in Abu Dhabi. Every time you put Tottenham in a headline, it would just go through the roof. So. If that was the case, we'd be saying Watford were linked with X amount of Tottenham players, Eunice Ball for one. I'm certainly not of the clickbait generation, and I'm not going to put stories up just for the sake of it. But as I keep saying, we won't always get it right, but hopefully people bear with us during this kind of embryonic phase. Hopefully we've made a, made a good impression, been quite bang on with some transfer stories, quite insightful, and a, a long way to go there. Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. Thanks a lot to Kevin uh, for giving up his time after the game. Uh, we can see him now having a chat with uh, with Harry Kuehl, 
about the uh, take take part of the game, and I'm sure that will turn up on the, his website fairly quickly. We're going to be back with our proper podcast first week of September. We're going to do those monthly podcasts where it's the three of us talking about a bunch of Watford games that have happened, uh, but we're going to do hopefully more of these little short podcasts. Both those will be available to subscribe via iTunes. Just search for From the Rookery End and they'll both come up for you. So more from the Rooker end. That's a good thing, Mike, yeah? Can only be a good thing, surely. <laughs> sure. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans. From the Rookery end.